0: I've been working in ministry with my husband for over 20 years now, but uh, I used to be a nurse and knew what I wanted to do right out of school, and so I went to nursing school, graduated when I was 20 years old, can you believe that, and went to work, and, and so I worked about 10 years before I quit to help here at the church, help my husband, and so... There, one of the uh, along that path, in the middle of there, I decided to go to Bible school, and so I did private duty nursing for about a year, thinking that surely having only one patient there that you'd have all this time to study, and that's not always the case. So in the course of that, I took care of one of the most um, powerful men in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but he had had a stroke, and he couldn't speak. He couldn't feed himself, couldn't bathe himself, couldn't really do much. He could get around, but he just could not do anything without some assistance. And um, he couldn't tell you what he thought, but he could tell you what he thought about things in other ways. (laughs) And so sometimes I'd come to work and he'd just be so angry. There's just nothing, you know, whatever... The cook had cooked that day wasn't right. What I was doing wasn't right. What his wife said or did wasn't right. Everything wasn't right. He was just angry. And other days he was crying and just wouldn't stop crying. Um, but this man's entire identity had been tied up in who he was. You know, on the outside with other people in the community. And when that was taken from him... He's just floundering. You know? Didn't know who he was, didn't know why he was here, didn't know anything. Just in a state of confusion, uh, frustration all the time. And, you know, we can get caught up in who we are in this natural world. We can get caught up in, oh, I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. Oh, I'm a vet. I'm a plumber. I'm a farmer. I'm a volunteer. You know, I'm a cook. Well, all these things, you know, we can get our identity all wrapped up in these very natural things that one day won't have any relevance at all. Now, I had another patient, different situation. I was working in a hospital, and this man had actually been brought into the hospital to die because neither he or his family wanted to do that at home, and he just had very few days to live, and so. I had just gotten, I was working the night shift, I had just gotten out of report, I was making my first rounds, and I got in his room, and he was, I mean, incoherent. He's got a restraint on, he's thrashing in the bed, and this is what he's saying again and again and again. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid to die. He's just yelling this out again and again. You know, so I just looked at him thought, you know, he's not really very coherent or anything, but... We'll give this a go. And I told him about the Lord Jesus. I said, you know, do you want to give your life to him? Because then, you know, when you die, um, you'll be with him. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I want to do that. And so I prayed with him, gave him a sedative, put him to sleep for the night, and that was that. Came on duty the next night, got out of report, started making my rounds, went into his room, and I could not believe the change. The man's still incoherent. (laughs) He's still, I mean, it's, there's, as far as physical things, there wasn't any change. But he just looked at me and he smiled. And this is what he said. I'm not afraid to die. I am not afraid to die. And I said, that is so awesome. I am so glad that you're not afraid to die. And he went to sleep for the night. And Then I was off for a couple nights and... When I came back, he had just died before shift change. His family was still back there with him. And so when I went back, I just thought, you know, you just never know. Maybe it was clear he had not lived for the Lord his entire life. He had just been born again. But I thought, you know, I don't know these daughters of his. They might have been praying for him. And so I just, I went over to him and I said, you know, I just want you to know that a couple days ago I was here with your dad. And I told him what had happened. And I said, you know, he's, he's the Lord today. And they just started crying and said, you know, he told us that an angel came into his room and told him about God. And I said, well, it was not an angel. <laughs> I should have gone home and told my husband what he said about me. He, he said I was an angel. <laughs> but you know, this man, even though he was completely incoherent and at death's door, He completely grasped his identity, completely took on who he was in God. He wasn't looking, I don't know, I have no clue anything about him, what he had been, what he had done in his life, successes, mistakes. I have no idea what his life had been like. But he completely embraced, he didn't look at himself as a dying man, anything. He looked at himself as a man. Who had made a connection with god and was now at peace with god you know it is so important for each of us we can grab on to all these l- other little identities that are only going to last as long as you live yeah. you know nobody is going to pro- well i don't know i haven't been to heaven yet but we're going to find some things out but i'm not thinking that in heaven people are going to walk up to you and say, you know, oh, you were such a fabulous vet. I hope that I can live next to you, and I, it's going to be somewhat irrelevant, you know. But who we are because of the Lord is going to be relevant forever. Now. Let's just look at a a real brief scripture. We're going to move quickly here today. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, if any man be in Christ, and that's what happens when you give your life to him, when you get born again, you become in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, And when it means a brand-new creature, we've talked about this. We're talking about the difference between something. It's actually even more exaggerated than this, but the difference between something like a caterpillar and a butterfly. There is a complete transformation. When I see a caterpillar in my garden, I am not happy, especially if I see chomp marks. I'm not happy. When I see a butterfly, I am delighted. <laughs> you know, a caterpillar, he's just inch by inch, inch by inch, inch by inch. He's moving along, moving over here. You know, just... But a butterfly is flitting here, he's flitting there, he's eating nectar, you know, lovely things. He's beautiful. And when you are in Christ, it's important that you see yourself no longer as a caterpillar no longer is something that is spiritually dead, but that you recognize, you're conscious of the fact, you remind yourself, this is who I am. You know, if we had, you know, we have MRI machines that they can go, you know, you go through those things, I don't know what they do, but somehow they just show them everything that's in there, you know, when they're done. They didn't exist back when I was a nurse, so. (laughs) But, you know, if we had a spiritual MRI machine that could you know, kind of scan people, we would see two, only two kinds of people. That's, a, that's the only two kinds there would be. Be scanning, and they would only see two things. One, people who were dead spiritually. That means they've, they've got some equipment, but it doesn't work. <laughs> it hasn't been activated. <laughs> it's like a radio with no batteries in it. I mean, we're ready. (laughs) God's got you. You've you've got your human form. You're here on the planet and everything. There's ready for life to come into you. There's a plan. There's a path. There's a way. But we haven't activated that thing yet. And so if you scan it, it would just show two kinds of people. Mm -hmm. This person is still spiritually dead, not able to be responsive to the whole spirit realm. And yet over here, you scan someone else, and it would show a heart that is soft and flexible and pliable and able to respond to God. Just like that radio, you stick those big old batteries in there, and, you know, and then everything's different. All of a sudden, you see a little sound. I do this when I'm in the nursery all the time. You see a toy, it's not working. It's either dead or <laughs> it needs new batteries. And you know, all of a sudden, you stick those batteries in, and you hear a little sound. You let, sometimes when it's, I'm here late at night, it's kind of creepy. One of those toys in the nursery will <laughs> just start singing and dancing. It's like... Mike, Mike, okay, <laughs> I have visitors, <laughs> you know, but all of a sudden there's all these possibilities. It's like all of a sudden there's all of these radio waves that if you just tune it, that this radio can pick up. And so there's only two kinds of people, people who are spiritually alive, people who are spiritually dead. And especially if you are spiritually dead today, if you say, well, I'm not sure which one that I am, we're gonna talk about that and you're gonna be able to leave here spiritually alive today. Alert to God, connected to God, able to hear from God, able to communicate with him. You're going to be able to do that today. You're going to be able to leave that way today. But for those of us who have already made that step, it's important that we see ourselves in that light. That we don't continue to see ourselves as something that's insignificant, something that's, you know, just not that important in in this life. And so in order for us to see ourselves that way, it is super important that we see ourselves as we are in Christ Jesus. Let's, we're going to just move a little bit farther. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. It says, "He, For he hath made him, and the him they're talking about is Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. But God, on the cross, made him to be all of your sin, all of my sin, all of your ancestors' sins. Everyone's sins from now to the end of time. He made him to be sin for us. And then, on the other side of that, we got a great deal. We got to be made the righteousness of God in him. Not by yourself. (laughs) <laughs> but in Him. Because He's in you and you're in Him, everything that you were and everything that you had and most of it wasn't very useful, correct? Your pride is not useful to God, so we're just going to set that aside. We're not going to be needing that. I know I got it in the bargain. We're not going to be needing that. <laughs> Your anger. Uh, yeah. Jesus got it in the bargain. We're not going to be needing that. That's not something that we're going to be using. And so a lot of what we brought to to the deal (laughs) really didn't have much value except for the fact that we were created in the image of God, each one of us with a purpose. And so that, he said, now this I'm going to (laughs) use. This we're keeping. This we're going to use. And then everything that I am you get. Does that sound like a good deal? When my husband and I got married, he had, he had bought a new car. <laughs> like brand new. <clears throat> and nothing was faded, nothing was broken. <laughs> and I had an older car that I loved with all my heart because my daddy gave it to me. And when we got married, my husband gave his car to me and he took my car and I said oh no I didn't I mean I didn't make any payments I mean I love having a free car that's paid for and it's okay I'm fine driving my little Honda Civic and he's like no you're driving my nice big car and I'm going to drive this car that was a great deal I didn't know it. I've been raised in Africa. It didn't have any shocks left. But, you know, that's how all of our cars were. You go boing, boing, boing down the road, you know, everywhere you go. I didn't realize anything was wrong. And so he pointed out something was wrong. But he went boing, boing down the highway. And I had air conditioning. I had heat. I had not these kind of windows, but these kind of windows. It was a great exchange. You know, Jesus, when when. He connects with you. When you give your life to him, you become intertwined. Everything that you are and everything that he is become connected. We were hiking not too long ago. We were camping, and Rose and I came on these two aspens that had come out of the ground, and then something had happened. We weren't there when it happened, so we don't know what it was. But there was a spot about like so that there was just like a common trunk it must have been some kind of a scar or something but it was just they were completely connected you couldn't tell one tree from the other in the spot they were just one and then out of the top here you have two aspen trees coming out of this whatever it was again those were so intertwined so interconnected that you really couldn't tell one from the other and you know what when we are in christ he doesn't, just, um, he doesn't just bestow on us every now and then. I think I'm going to give you this for today. I'm going to give you grace for today. I'm going to give you healing for tomorrow. Next week, I'm going to provide for you financially. No, know, everything that he is becomes ours. We have access to every single bit of it. It is so important that we understand that. It's so important that we place the value on ourselves of what we truly are. I am in him, and he's in me. That's the really big part, that he's in me. I read a story. um, I I was telling this in first verse. Let's go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 14. But I read a story in a book a long time ago. I don't remember what book was. I don't remember who wrote it, but it was true because I said so, and I believe him. <laughs> is that good enough for y'all? Okay, good. Great. This is a great group. I'm glad. So the story went like this. There, there was a family who bought two dogs. They're both puppies. And you know how really any kind of puppy, when they're born, they're sort of the same size. Well, if I've never seen one of those little teeny tiny things born, they could not possibly be the same size. But anyway, these two puppies grew up together, and one was a little bitty teeny tiny dog, and the other was a great big dog. But somehow in their very, very beginnings as they came to this home together, somehow the little bitty dog established dominance over this other dog. And so the little bitty dog, dog grew, grew, and then he stopped and he's full size and the big dog kept growing and 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 growing but it really didn't matter the little dog still ruled the roost when the little dog growled and said you're not going to eat the food the big dog would just sit down and it wouldn't eat the food when the little dog said we're going here and the big dog just followed obediently behind big big old dog anybody looking on could look and see ooh. Probably just one paw. That's probably all it would take. Wouldn't even have to involve teeth or anything. That little dog would be gone. Well, one day this little dog went out in the backyard and got into a pile of stickers. And apparently had a really good time in the stickers. And so when he came back in the house, they tried and they tried. They tried pulling. And there were just so many. There was no choice. They had to just take the dog to the groomers. And so they took this dog to the groomers. And the groomer said, mm, we're just going to have to shave it. That's the only, that's, we can't redeem this. So they shaved all the hair off this little bitty dog, got it, picked it up, took it home. And when they got home, they just weren't even thinking. They popped the little dog down onto the floor. And the big dog did not recognize that this was his little buddy. All he saw was this little runt. And he jumped up, and they went over, they had a little tussle, and everything was different after that day. That big dog finally got a revelation (laughs) of who he really was. All of his life, in his own eyes, he had seen himself as somehow powerless against this little dog, unable to be the the great one he had to do whatever he was told he had to do whatever it said he just had to obey this little he, he all his life he had seen himself as being smaller to less powerful and inferior to this little bitty dog but the reality is that the whole time he had been the same dog he had been this great big dog nothing changed except how he saw things so let's read this scripture this is in Isaiah 14 16 and this scripture it's a prophecy but it's talking about the end of time when the devil is being once and for all taken care of never to bother anyone again are you all excited for that day I am looking forward to that day, but we're all going to have some thoughts. And so the Bible goes ahead and tells you what your thoughts on that day are going to be. And this is what your thoughts are going to be. Verse 16, Isaiah 14, 16, it says, Those who see you will gaze at you, he's talking about the devil, and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? You and I are going to be like that big dog and say, you have got to be kidding me. This little guy here, are you serious? This is the one who made me sin? This is the one who sowed that thought into my mind, and I listened to it for all those years, never did anything with my life because of what he told me about me? Are you serious that this is it? It's really important that we see ourselves, that we value ourselves after who we are in Christ. You may not have been born into an affluent family. You may have been born into a super dysfunctional family. Maybe you look and you say, you know, nothing was ever normal the way people define normalcy from my earliest memories until I left home and still I haven't got over it and I'm still nothing's normal today. There is nothing about that that can have any effect on who you are in Christ except for you and your own perception. If you continue to see yourself, to allow the enemy to sow thoughts into your mind that you are a little runt, that you are helpless against everything around you, then you'll walk through your days seeing things that way and living with the results of that. But that is not who you are. Let's look at Colossians 1.27. How many of you want to know who you are? I mean, it is important for us to comprehend who we are in Christ. Verse 27, it says this. It says, to whom God willed. Okay, let's just stop. No, let's read the whole thing. To, to make known what are the riches of the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of what? And who is the you he's talking about? It's you. It's me. It's Christ in you. That means a Lily in you. It means a Tiffany you. It means all the you's, I don't know your names yet. It it means if it's you, and if Christ is in you, then on the inside of you is the hope of glory. That means everything that God has, everything that he is, is in you, and it's there for a purpose. It's not there for nothing. Do you know that God never goes anywhere for no reason? He is not a (laughs) hanger-outer. If he's there... He's there to impart something. Let's just flip over Colossians 3, 2, right over. If I can get these teeny, tiny, thin little pages to turn. It says this, set your mind. We're actually going to read this in the Amplified. Set your mind and keep them set on what is above. How many of you all would say that that can be a challenge? I might set my mind on things above for a minute. And then I think about it for five minutes. And then I hear the timer going off. I have timers that go off in my life all the time. They remind me to do very important things. But there's nothing important to this. Set my mind and keep it set on what is above. The higher things. When we're looking at who we are in Christ, being conscious of who we are in him... That is a higher thing it's higher than are you gonna have dinner on time it's higher than are you gonna get all your things on your list checked off today it's higher than am I prepared for tomorrow there is nothing that is more important than for us being conscious of questioning I'm telling you this you're like okay this is gonna completely disrupt my life <laughs> All I'll be able to do is just sit around and be thinking about Jesus in me. I'm telling you, if you were aware of Jesus in me, there's a a story in the Bible that Jesus and his disciples, they all get in a boat. And he made some comment, and I can't think of it, but it had the word bread in it. And immediately they thought, oh, he's trying to send us some sort of a, a message because he noticed that nobody bothered to pack lunch. And so they were all asking, him, did you get the bread? No, I didn't get the bread. Did you get the bread? No, I didn't, nobody, nobody got the bread. And so they had to admit to Jesus. Jesus, we're really super sorry. We got in the boat. And I was sort of thinking, I thought he was going to get the bread. He thought I was going to get the bread. And, and Jesus looked at him and was like, huh. what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you think I care about bread? <laughs> he said, didn't you just see me feed the 5,000? I had five loaves. I two, had two fish. God fed everybody. I am not upset about you, me, our lunch, our supper, anything else, God will take care of us. We need to have our mindset set on the things that are above and not on the things that are of this earth. Because if we just go with the natural course of things, how do things flow in a river? They just never flow upstream, do they? If you just are going with the natural flow of things, you always are going to just gradually flow downriver to a spot where there is no water movement at all until you finally get wedged between a couple little branches or something, and there you sit until something rises the water and washes you on. You have no no destination. You're not in control of your destiny. But if we set our mind purposefully, that means... I'm doing this on purpose. I'm setting my mind on these things on purpose. Who am I in Jesus? Because he lives in me, who am I now? What possibilities does that hold for today? What possibilities does that hold for my future? What possibilities does it hold for my neighbor? What possibilities does it hold for my family? If I lose sight of that, then all I can give you is just the natural things that I know that I have. That's all, that's all that I'm limited to. I can only give you, I, I can cook you, I make pretty good chicken and dumplings. You know, I can make you some dumplings. that matters on a cold day. You know, there are some things, you know, I can probably fill up your gas tank. <laughs> I can do that for you. But if I lose sight of who I'm in Jesus, that's what I'm limited to. It's just who I am here in this body, in this natural world. And he's saying... Set your mind on the things above. Think higher. Get a grasp of who you truly are. You are a dog, a very big dog. (laughs) You are filled with power. You are filled with strength. The God who created this universe lives on the inside of you And that is significant. That means the fact that you live next to your neighbor is something impressive for them. They are so lucky to have you there. (laughs) A person who God lives in living next to you. That's an incredible thing for them. And yet, if we don't set our minds on it, we just lose sight of it. But if I'm setting my mind and I'm dwelling on who am I in Christ, one really important thing for me to understand and to also have a grasp of is who God is. Is he, is he some little God? You know, uh, when Tiffany and Benny got married, one of their friends came to the wedding. What was her background? What religion was that? Anusha. Anusha. She was Hindu. She's Christian now. now. Yes. Okay. Tiffany, you want to come tell my story? (laughs) No. But she was raised a Hindu, and I was asking her, you know, how did you come to know the Lord? And she said, well, when I went away to college, you know, I was introduced to Jesus, and she said it it changed everything. And so when she back went back home, that was okay. Because in their home, they had a house, a room dedicated to gods. And of those gods, Jesus was one of them. And so the fact that she had had an encounter with one of many was okay. But when she made the decision, they're not all gods. (laughs) There's only one who is God. It became an issue. When she said, no, no, Jesus is God when she said he is the only true God and he is the only one that I'm going to worship because he is the only one who died for me and he's the only one who raised up from the dead for me and he's the only one who lives in me and he's the only one who empowers me that was a problem because he was no longer a little God in a room (laughs) she was saying no this is this is the God and I'm t- asking you, you know, the God in your life, who is he to you? You know? You visit him on Sundays? <laughs> Come to church, check in, how you doing? <laughs> Got a son who just went away to college and so he comes back, that's what, how you doing, mom? How are things going? He's checking in. I have no idea what he's doing when he's not home. <laughs> uh, we call, we're connected, but you know, God is big. And for you to have a revelation of who I am in Christ, you have got to have a revelation of the greatness of God. If you took uh, all of us, I mean, I see you, I see the color shirt you have. You might have even had some opinions about someone's apparel this morning. You might have said, ooh. Man, he did not check with his wife before he left the room. <laughs> they must have taken separate cars. She would never have let him out of the house. Or you might have thought, I don't really think that her shirt and her pants match. I don't, mm-mm, something's a slut. You know, there are all, there are all sorts there are all sorts of thoughts that we can have about just this natural thing that, we, that we're looking at in each other. But, you know, if you took my finger today, I just washed my hands, soap water, everything. But still, if you took my finger and you put my finger under a microscope, you're going to see a whole other world. One that you can't see with your naked eye. And the God who created you and I made this whole world that we're still discovering. You know, they're still going out in the forest and it's like oh we found a brand new plant we've been here six thousand years <laughs> we never came across this one yet it's brand new it must have evolved no you just didn't god was hiding it i'm sorry he he wanted us to be able to discover things throughout our course here on the earth he wasn't like here here it all is look at it okay you've seen it all so we're still discovering if you take a telescope I mean, I watched one of the, it was a biblically based one, but watch one of those things that goes out into space, and then the next layer, and then the next layer, and they lost me, but I was impressed. <laughs> I mean, it, I could not comprehend it, but all I could say was, that is incredibly cool. <laughs> and it is incredibly cool that God made all of that and I look up at the sky I just see some twinkling stars and I get thrilled just at the twinkling little stars and yet there is a whole world beyond that and then you look in the depths of the ocean the things they say they've never even discovered there yet this god who is on the inside of you is not a little being he is massive he is impressive and he is on the inside of you. He said this about himself in Revelation. He says, I am the Alpha and I'm the Omega. That means I am the A and I'm the Z. You know, all the words that we make up, <laughs> everything in between, is, it's covered in there. There are no extra letters that are not God. <laughs> he said, I am the beginning and I'm the end. Before before we were here, he was already there. And when this world is finished, he's still going to be standing. He's not going anywhere. He said, I am the first and I'm the last. That's what he said about himself. This is who I am. Now, we're going to jump to the book of, oh, let's see, 2nd, is it 1st or 2nd Kings? 1st Kings, chapter 18. You can turn there, and I want to kind of get started with the story, but, um, we have our very own Elijah with us this morning. But that's not the Elijah of which we speak. But he is a mighty man in his own right. First Kings 18. Um, Elijah was a prophet of the Lord who had... I, you know, I've been reading through the prophets right now. I kind of feel sorry for them. I <laughs> told Mike, I said, I feel so bad for Jeremiah. He <laughs> had such a bum life. Mike said... Melody, I know the Lord was there for him. I know he made it okay. It's like, yeah, but all this stuff I read, it's like, it goes from bad to worse. I feel bad for him. But anyway, Elijah served under a wicked king, one of the most wicked kings uh, that ever was. And so um, as part of the judgment, one day, Elijah looked up at the sky, and he said, it's not going to rain until I say so. And off he went into hiding. And it didn't. It didn't rain that week. It didn't rain that month. It didn't rain that year. It didn't rain the next year. Famine is everywhere. And so three, three and a half years later, something like that, um, then the Lord says, okay, we're done. Elijah coming out. Well, they had been looking for him. Um, My only thought is, I guess, that the king thought that he could torture him or something and make him say rain and then it would rain and it never went through his thick skull that there is something someone behind this other than just a man you know I I don't know about you Joanne but you know if you look up in the sky and say you're not going to rain I mean unless God's behind you I don't really think you're going to have any impact are you and yet somehow this king thought that if he could just find Elijah, twist his arm, I don't know, drip drops of water, whatever it is all that they do to torture people, that he would he would say, let it rain, and it would be that way. Well, he couldn't find him, although the Lord hid him. And when you do something for the Lord, he'll hide you from those who are seeking you. And so Elijah finally comes out, and he says, okay. You've been serving this other God all this time. His name was Baal, and there was another one. I can't remember what his name was, but it's not really a God, right? If you have no power, you're not a God, correct? Yeah. So we serve the one true God because he's a God of power. And that's what uh, Elijah said. He said, okay, you bring all your prophets out, and I'm coming, and we're just going to decide once and for all who's God. And that's going to be the end of that. (laughs) We're going to decide this today. Once we're done, everyone will know, and that will be the end. So, all of these, here's Elijah, all by himself. And over here are several hundred of the false prophets. And he says, okay, get two cows. They brought out two cows. You pick your cow. You get first pick. So they picked their cow. And he said, okay, and you get to go first. And this is what we're going to do. We're saying that whosoever God answers them with fire, that's the true God, settle, finish, for all time. Okay, okay. And so these false prophets took their cow, they chopped him all up, put him wherever they put him, and they started praying to their God. Nothing. So they prayed louder to their God. Nothing. They started getting loud and crazy praying to their God. Nothing. They started cutting themselves, showing their God they were serious. Nothing. For hours this went on. And finally, I guess, I don't know how they figured it, but their turn was done. Okay? You had your turn. All you got is a dead cow. And so Elijah had them gather some stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and he made an altar. And then he said, okay, I want you to dig a trench around my my altar. So they dug a trench around his altar. And so he did whatever he did to his cow and he put his cow on the altar. And then he says, no, before we get started here, I want you to put a big old bucket of water on my cow. And so they went, they poured it all over the cow. The cow's all watery, the rocks are watery. He says, no, I want you to go get another bucket of water Pour it, they poured it all over everything. It's getting pretty wet now. says, so no, let's do it one more time, okay? And so one more, and I mean everything's saturated. That trench they had dug, it's filled with water. We got a soaked cow. We got a soaked altar. We got a soaked trench. Everything is soaked. How many of you have tried to start a fire with wet wood? <laughs> that fire must come from heaven. <laughs> and so that's where we're going to pick up here. Let's look at verse... 38, it says, then the fire, let's, let's read, I like to read what he said. This is what he said to the Lord. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. <laughs> I bet he was saying, oh, hear me. I'm going to pickle if you don't. That this people may know that you are the Lord God. He knew he was God. But he wanted everyone around him who had been deceived who had been led astray, he wanted them to know. He could have stayed in hiding. He had a good thing going. But he wanted his people to know that God was God. And he said, and that you, uh, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the burnt sacrifice. Do you know what consumed means? When you consume a meal, what is left? It consumed that sacrifice. And it consumed the wood and the stones. Is that a hot fire? Yeah, there, there are no rocks left. No cow, no wood, no rocks, and the dust. Have you all seen, you know, those pictures of like a, this kind of what I envision after, you know, those ground zero? I mean, everything possible and... It even licked up the water that was in the trench. And so all the people saw it. They fell on their faces because they finally had a revelation that God is big. You know, you can't have a showdown like that if you don't believe that God is big. When people are looking for you and they're wanting to kill you, you don't have a showdown like that if you think that you have a tiny little God who may or may not come through for you. It is so important that we have confidence and that we see God as being the great one who is on the inside of us. That we magnify him. You know when you take when you take a, a magnifying glass, everything that you see is bigger. Everything you see is bigger. And when it tells us to magnify the Lord, we need to take moments. If you don't take the moments to meditate on who God is, to think about how great he is, to think about the stories that you've read in the Bible about how incredibly strong and powerful that God is and how he can do anything, just as life goes on, he will just shrink in your size until you have a very manageable God. (laughs) You check in with him on Sundays. You check in with him possibly in the morning. As you open his book, you look at his words, and then you close your book and you forget how massive this one on the inside of you truly is. Uh, let's, let's not. Um, so <clears throat> as, we, as we look at what we've, we've talked about today, it's important. For those who are around you, you know, life is not about just you. You realize that? Surely, by now, we have all adults in here. Uh, <laughs> surely, surely we've figured this out. That life is not just about us. But it's about impacting people who are around us. Do go ahead, Amy, and throw up that, that scripture in Acts. It says, this is what they prayed about uh, in the book of Acts, They said, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. If God is small to you, you do not have boldness to speak his word because you don't know if he's going to be there for you in the end. He's a teeny tiny God in your sight. And so we need to spend time thinking about how big God is. Thinking about the great things that he's done, imagining the possibilities about what he can do in your life, Amen. what he can do in the life of that coworker that you have, where you just think, God, I don't even know what to tell her anymore. I mean, oh, and yet knowing that God can turn that all around. God can fix that. God can bring revelation. He can bring life into her situation that will change everything. Realizing that that God is on the inside of you wanting to impact this person. You've got to keep God big on the inside of you. And then you've got to realize that I'm in him. But he's in me. He is in me. All of that bigness, all of that greatness. That God that we just re- read about who came down, who answered with fire. That God is the same God who is on the inside of you if you've been born again. It's not a different God. It's not a littler God. It's not a more compact version. He doesn't do that. God is an everything God. Everything he is is on the inside of you. And then when you step back, now we ask ourselves this question again, who am I? I hope you don't just see yourself as, oh, I'm a checker. That's all I do, I scan. You are somebody filled with God. You can scan to the glory of God. (laughs) You can impact people wherever you go. And God wants you to have this vision on the inside of you of how great he is on the inside of you so that you will be conscious of his presence everywhere that you go. You yourself will begin to rise because you realize, man, God can do incredible things through me. And yes, I can make it to this next level because he's in me, and he's going to be able to use me more effectively in this place, and that's why I've got to get from this place to this place, but he's in me all the while helping me to get there helping me to do what I need to do to get to this place of greater influence.